Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kevin Johnson Program, where we spotlight the creatives of arts and culture here in South Florida. You can find us on anchor.fm forward slash kevjohnpro. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, also under kevjohnpro. So I'd like to introduce my next guest at this time, and uh, we're re- reconnecting after a long while, and we figure out what's, well, let's check out what's going on with her. I'd like to welcome Miss Melissa Almaguer to the program. Thank you so much for coming on, Melissa. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. It's really nice to reconnect with you. Yes. So I have to, the lines are kind of blurred, so we have to kind of, uh, you're going to have to kind of help me with this. I was a reviewer for a uh, blog online uh, back when blogs were kind of uh, (laughs) starting out, and it was called Talkin' Broadway, and they had a chat section, which was famous. It was called All That Chat. However, they also had a place where people in different regions can critique shows can review shows so i started the south florida section and back in 2004 i saw a production of a new theater company that was performing out of the main street playhouse in miami lakes the show was called the big funk and it was presented by a company called the madman experiment so oh, wow we're going way back <laughs> Back there, yes, yes. So, I like I said, I have to. Uh, I have it's. It's basically dating ourselves, because you. I, I. I can only figure out that you were. Were you currently a student at Florida International University at the time, or were you? Did you just graduate at that time? I was still a student at FIU, um, but Okay. Okay. So it was like one day they just came to you and said, "Hey, we'd like to do this play, and uh, would you be interested in it?" And and uh, there, off you went. Yeah, I think I, I do think we had an audition process. Um, I don't think it was as completely informal as that, but we were all very close, and we had all gone um, to FIU together. A few of them had graduated already. A few people were still in, in school. Um, and we did have a, we did have some sort of audition process. I can't really remember, um, but probably the typical monologue um, thing. But they were familiar. We were familiar with each other's work because we were students together. So was that? Would you consider that your first professional project outside of school, or not outside of school? But you know, if you know what I mean by say like your first professional. Um, thing that you could put on your resume alongside while you were in school. Absolutely. Um, and you actually took me way back, but you're absolutely right, because 
I used to think it was my one-woman show that I did upon graduation, but no, it would be it would be the big funk that was my first, um, I guess, professional credit. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's go further back. Let's start oh. from the beginning. I can only assume, and you can totally correct me if I'm wrong, because we love transparency here. You are a Florida native of Cuban descent? That is correct. Okay. So what part of Miami were you raised in? I jumped around um, Miami a lot. I never stayed in you know, one elementary school for more than two years. And I believe um, I was born, I guess, in Homestead. I was there for like the first, like the early years of my life. And then I went over to Hialeah and then to Kendall um, and to various different parts of, of Kendall. But I guess I was a Homestead girl for the beginning part of my life. Um, and yeah, so when did you Miami. Okay, so when did you start uh, getting involved in the performing arts itself? So, um, there's no one really in my family or anything that was into the arts, so I'm not sure where it sparked from, but I remember going to um, a magnet program and um, for language, foreign languages, and then that was like when I was in the third and fourth grade, and at some point there, somebody started talking about... Um, I was actually recommended by my art teacher to join an art magnet program. And I auditioned and I got in for photography and visual arts. I was not very good. I swear to this day that <laughs> she must have felt pity for me. I think she saw in my eyes that I was going to cry if I didn't get in. Cause I, was, I was not great at visual arts, but um, I did enjoy photography a lot. And then in fifth grade, right before we were off, at that point I was... Um, middle school and sixth grade, we were about to jump off into um, our middle school years, out of nowhere I just had this, I had this inclination, I want to act. And I actually thought that I could switch my magnet in fifth grade and from art to acting and they made it very clear to me I could not do that, you have to go through an audition process. So I just waited for about two years, um, I finished my elementary and then the minute that it came up that I could I could audition for acting, I did, and I remember asking what I needed, and they said a monologue, and I wasn't sure what that was, but someone who was in magnet art, like in drama, actually pointed to me, like, oh, just read this book and pick one that you like. I remember asking what a beat was, and I remember them them looking at me, being like, that's a really complicated answer, just consider it a pause. So, my first education was actually like a fifth grader in drama telling me what a monologue and a beat was in the most simple way. Um, I auditioned, I got in, and it's been my life ever since. Mm, Great, great. So what made you decide to choose uh, Florida International University as opposed to any other uh, drama or acting program after high school? Well, I definitely did. I remember I wanted to leave uh, Miami for a little bit, but my family's here, and I'm very, very close to my family. And it just, I, I went to FIU, and I liked the teachers. I liked how they were very um, open towards 
everything. Like at that point, I believe I was still considering uh, being a stage manager because I, I did that in high school. So I liked that when I went to FIU to the audition, they said they were very open with their actors doing um, technical things as well. And I believe I went on an audition for NYU too, and they didn't they didn't like that. <laughs> but um, so one, it, it was a logistics. I I got in and. It was close to home, and I'm a family girl. Mm. So, on a side note, was Spanish the main language in the home, or did you speak any English as well? I always spoke English. It's been my um, main choice of language. My parents definitely always spoke Spanish at the house. My grandparents spoke Spanish, but it didn't like Spanish and I we had a love deep relationship growing up because <laughs> I was really shy and I would always like say the wrong thing and of course you know like people would laugh and I'd be like oh and I was so shy I think it kind of shut me down um, but since then I've learned to just you know I've been embarrassed so often I don't even care anymore so I just I've been practicing my Spanish and getting better at it but I was definitely English speaker okay alright so, we start now at the point, and I feel like we're at the inside the actor's studio version. <laughs> uh <-oh. laughs> so, we go, and I only know this because I know the history from watching you from back then to where you went into a particular program where it was a long-running program, and you're currently in another ongoing program now, which we'll get to, but I wanted to talk about your history with what was called the Playground Theater, that they were performing at the former Shores Performing Arts Theater, which is now the Miami Theater Center. You were a repertory player there for, you know, for quite a while, so... Um, tell me how you got involved in that and, and um, you know, how it made you grow as an actor. Yeah, that, that experience completely shaped who I am today, and um, it introduced me to a lot of people that I still know today. It was my first theater home, and I remember seeing the, um, I was auditioning, of course, like every actor does, just audition, 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 and I saw this audition notice for Playground Theater for Ploofed the Little Ghost. And what intrigued me um, at the time was the fact that they said the audition was based off improvisation. Um, it was a Russian director at the time, and um, that intrigued me too, that there was, uh, you know, because everybody had their different styles, and I heard a lot that like uh, Russian directors tend to be um, maybe more strict than an American director. I mean, I've since learned it really just depends on, on the person and the director. But um, there was just a lot of things that intrigued me, the fact that it was like a, an, improv an audition based on improvisation and that this was going to be a long-running show. And they said, don't expect the typical um, kid theater. They said something along those lines in the advertisement. And I was just intrigued. I mean, I've always been into magic realism, and I, I like the the synopsis of Poof the Little Ghost, and I just went, um, and it was also like, and it was just 
clearly think it was a paid gig as well. So I was really excited. I went in there, and it was maybe a two-day audition process, and both days it was very, very long, and definitely sitting outside that waiting room. A lot of actors were just like, what is this? I am used to, you know, going in, saying my monologue, leaving, and that's it. But um, I actually liked that they were so invested in getting to know who the actors were. And I, I learned after that that the reason is because they were building an ensemble for a repertory company that would we would work together for a long time, and they really needed to see how everybody was fit. And it was a very experimental. For being a kids' theater, it was also very... Uh, experimental and um, I mean I think my and, and to be, but to be very fair I think Miami has incredible children's theater companies where it's not as when I was younger what I expected they they really tend to be very inventive and very creative um, and they really use all of their actor skill and I think playground theater was, was very much a part of that as well um, this creating this really interesting work and so I was cast um and I went to stay on, I want to say, my God, I think it was five or six years that I stayed on with Playground Theater. And, and that's how it started in these two days of auditioning for hours and hours and hours, improvising and um, getting to know the, the director and the director getting to know us. So how did it feel to know that you were getting a, a steady paycheck for that long? Were you doing anything else or was it just the Playground Theater? Playground theater, and um, it woke up another passion of mine, which is teaching. So those of us, uh, we were actors, but then during the summer, the ones that were staying on year-round, we had an opportunity to teach, and and that's really where I started my teaching career as well. And it was during playground theater. We we were lucky enough to be able to experiment and come up with in-school programs, um, summer camps, after-school series. We were able to work with um, children of all ages. It was really exciting. So being able to act full-time and then in the days that we were off, like summers, being able to teach, it was really exciting for me. I I was really um, happy with the work I was doing, and I was learning a lot. And currently you are teaching drama at a public school? So around this time, or take me through the time where uh, it was time to leave Playground. Was it by choice, or was this something else that happened? Um, Like any group that's together for a long time, you know, we grew a lot. So this was a time where there was a a big group. We had had changes in the group, um, and... There comes a point where I said it was my theater home, and it really was. It was my first theater home. And there always comes a point where you have to kind of jump and leave home. So it was it was by choice, um, but I just felt it was time. Like I had 
I, I needed to try new things. I, I was interested in um, potentially doing my own work again, which I had for a period of time while I was in playground. But I just needed to, excuse me, look at things from a new perspective. And so sometimes we have to leave things that are very comfortable to us, and I was very comfortable. And, and they really gave me a lot. Playground theater, I mean, they gave us yoga training. I had aerial training while I was there. Um, I was able to work um, air, like doing aerial things, which I never thought I'd have the opportunity to do. Um, they showed me how to walk on stilts. Like, I learned so much, and I'm very grateful to Playground Theater. But it was a, a place where at a certain point I, I had grown comfortable, and I knew that I needed to go somewhere else to, to continue my journey. Now, I also understand that you worked with other people that were in that same company and branched out, and they created their own collective uh, under the guise of Jesus Quintero. So what was his style like? So um, I did. I was able to work with Jesus for a little bit. We actually had co-founded the JQ Studio. Um and we actually had a small acting program as well called uh, Project Pegasus. And it was, I mean, again, I, I'm always hungry to learn. And I'm always hungry to, I, I, theater is my life and acting is my life. So I'm always looking for something new. He worked a lot following um, using Chekhov methods and Krakowski methods, which were things I, I didn't know about since then. I believe FIU has worked Chekhov and Grotowski into their curriculum. But back when I went there, they really, there really weren't classes like that. And I was lucky enough to take a workshop with a visiting actor who taught a month, um, taught a summer of Grotowski lessons to us. But um, he was, he was great. It was very physical. It was taking acting from an intellectual pursuit and making it physical in the body. And it helped me with my realistic acting and my natural, uh, naturalistic acting, putting it in my body. But we also connected with um, a lot of movement-based work, which was interesting because I had never done something like that. Hmm. So now we came, come to a point where you also started your own collective with a uh, another person, uh, Ivan Lopez. You created White Rose Miami. So what was the basis behind that? Yes. So, um, again, we had kind of, with, with the JQ Studio, we had run a, a certain gamut, and, um, you know, he ended up moving away, and we just kind of, you know, artistically, we get to a certain point, and then, we're always looking for, for something new where we could both grow our vision. Um, so what happened with Ivan at that point, I had stopped uh, working with the JQ studio, and I really didn't have an artistic home at that point. I think it was my first time um, working a regular job. I think I was at the box office at the art center at that point. Mm. Uh, I can't, like, it's, it's funny how it all gets so hazy, right? But... He was in New York at the time, and Ivan and I were really good friends at FIU. We had actually done a show that was really 
meaningful and successful for both of us um, while we were at FIU together called The Shape of Things. And it was so successful, we even had outside, um, you know, usually for college shows, people who come are, are college students. But for this one, we had garnered so much word of mouth that a lot of general public was coming to our shows. Um, this was a student-run show, by the way. I should say it wasn't one of the, the main stage shows at FIU. Okay. So it was just something, like, really special for both of us. Um, then he went to New York, and I went to Playground Theater. But... There was a time where we just happened to reconnect, and he was thinking of moving back to Miami. And we both remembered that that show was being so special. We just said, let's do this. Let's, let's come together and, and create, and let's create until, you know, we feel that we've given everything that we possibly can. So our, our theater company was started from a mutual love and vision for creating work together. And trusting one another to try new things and um, be able to be as creative as we possibly could. And we fed off of each other a lot. So it was a, it was a great, it was a great time. And um, just as a side note as well is that you as a company also contributed to a reading series that I put together uh, under the ghost light series at Empire Stage. It was a collection of stories uh, because you wanted to talk about Miami and also the 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 os, the, uh, the the ambiance and the magical mystery that is Miami so I remember that yes Kevin it's so cool because you've really I mean along the way you've always been there and I, I think it's amazing how you're always you know you're always looking for things in the community and you're always supporting the artistic community and I think that says a lot about you, too. Um, but, yeah, we, we also, another thing that connected Aiden and I was our passion for Miami. We love Miami. We love all things Miami. And so we started a short play series called Miami Time. We did two of them uh, where people from all over would submit short stories or short plays about Miami. And um, they could be whatever, whatever format they wanted to be in. Um, they tended to be pretty funny short plays, and um, we usually did it at a bar or a whatever space we could find. I mean, basically, we were White Rose Miami was old; we didn't have a home base. Um, we liked to let the environment speak to us, um, which led to one of our most successful productions, which we did Proof, and we actually did it outside. Um, we it wasn't meant to be that way we just couldn't find space and then one day I was at my friend's sister's house and she had like this perfect backyard and it was just like yes this is this is where it could be and we built a porch around it um and it really sparked a love for us about being able to challenge ourselves like going into a new space and seeing what kind of story wants to be told in that in that space um and that was that's what marked our our future shows so what happened? What what made it all stop? Because it looked like it just seemed like it stopped abruptly. Or I could be totally wrong. No, you're you're right. You're right. And we got that question a lot because we were, um, you know, we were doing fairly well for a new company, and um, it was it honestly it. At that point, we were at a at a point in our lives where 
it was just really hard um, to be producers, actors, directors, and maintain full-time jobs. We both had a lot going on with our families at that time. Um, none of us are none of us were married or whatnot, but we were very involved with our, you know, with our families, with our sisters, our parents, and all of that. And it was just it it became too it became too much. And so we had always promised ourselves that we would continue to create as long as it you know there was a story that needed to be told. And at that point, you know, once we had done Pillow Man and we had kind of toured Miami doing um, Pillow Man. We just said let's let's stop for right now and let's regroup ourselves. I think we were very honest too in that um, we were still and we still are young artists looking for our voice and looking for what's next and looking for personal growth. And and I think at that point we want we needed to kind of explore that. And we've always said that we'll come back together again once we're ready to share stories together. Once we've both grown. We definitely, there's no ill will between Ivan and I. We, I love him dearly and he loves me. Um, we're just waiting for the right moment to come back and tell stories again. Okay. So now we've come to the point where we have the break. And I don't mean that we're taking a break here, but <laughs> there was a point where I hadn't seen you or heard your name in a while until last year when you rejoined the, my, uh, the Main Street Players. So take me to a point where um, what was happening during this pause and what made you decide to come back to theater full-time. Oh, and I'll, I'll use full-time as quotes because, of course, you have a leg- you know you 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 have an yeah. occupation, but what made you what what happened when, in this hiatus? So um, yeah, so this is the the point after White Rose Miami. It's it really like oh gosh the break. It's just so funny because now it's so different. But I didn't know what was going on. Like I didn't know what I wanted next. I didn't know how to achieve it. I knew I was burnt out because at this point um, I had been doing. You know, after Playground Theater, I had been, I was involved with two companies that I started full-time and um, also working full-time. So I was just really tired and I was wondering, is this, is this for me? Like, do I, is this my life? Is this, um, can I sustain it? And in that meantime, I started working at South Miami Gate Cultural Arts Center. So I was still in theater, but I was working on the, um, in the production side of it. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot. And I learned a lot about um, production. I learned a lot about event managing. I definitely grew as a person because it was my first time being in a position outside of um, teaching theater in uh, or outside of the of my home, I guess, my class theater home, where I was taking on a leadership role in a, in a, in a production capacity. Um, for this big theatrical venue. And I definitely grew, but I realized about two years in um, that it wasn't what I was passionate about. And I, I was, that's honestly what I was doing during that break is I was looking for what am I passionate about? What what do I want? How can I sustain myself in this field and, and still do what I love? 
Um, but I quickly found out that, you know, working in a, in a touring house and it wasn't fulfilling, I wasn't, I wasn't very happy, even though I loved the people I was working with. And they, I felt like I was being mentored by my, by my supervisor at the time. Her name's Joyce Fleming. She, she really took me under her wing and she helped me become a stronger leader. Um, from there, I went to teach a business class, not teach, I, I was a coordinator for a business program for women that are in the early, early education field. I, I won't go into detail, but that's not what this is about. But it kind of itched that, you know, scratched that itch I have when it comes to stage management, where I was coordinating everything, and I was um, working with these incredible women, very strong, very powerful, and it's there where I really learned a lot about how to run a business, because as these women were getting business classes, I was sitting in there listening to these very successful um, business people, like, tell you their secrets, tell you what they do, tell you how they manage, how they work with their employees, how they keep their vision alive, and really, it made me understand that our art, it's not that it's purely a business, but that it can be tied together, because the same language that they were using in these business classes, What's your vision? Um, what makes you happy? How do you sustain yourself in this as an entrepreneur? In the back of my mind, I was always taking that as as an actress, and as I was thinking back to when I had these two companies, what I could have done differently to maybe um, not be afraid to make it into a successful business, because there's always that fear as an artist. Um, you know, if we do it for the money, or if we do it to be successful. What does that take away from our art? And I, I always had that question in my mind. I don't know if it's because I'm a woman. I don't know if it's because I'm an artist. Maybe it's a combination of both. But listening, first growing as a leader in my production job, and then learning this business side, it really, it really started getting me in touch with what, where is my passion? Where is my vision? What do I want to do? Because it really solidified for me that unless you're happy, you're not going to have a successful life, no matter how many dollars you make. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I realized during this break that, I mean, what I was looking for, it just led me back to my to my roots, which is acting and theater. I, I felt like a part of me had, um, I mean, for being transparent, I feel like a part of me died without, without having theater in my life in the way that I was used to. And... Um, but it, but I had to go through all of that to really understand it, to really to really accept that. So then I got into teaching, into teaching theater, and I was you know it was another way of how to get back into my passion, and and that's where I and, and that's where you know things started falling back into place. The minute I took my theater job, I started being able to go on auditions again, and um, one day I just. Being able to teach and, and talk about theater just reawakened it all again, and I saw an audition for Main Street Players, and there I was, and I got it, and yeah, I don't, I don't really plan on looking back. So the play was This Random World, correct? Correct. So Okay, so what was that about, and who did you play? I played the character Beth, and um, This Random World is about connections. It's about the people that are in your life and how you almost connect, but then you don't. And there was a, a sad 
about the play because, you know, there was so many opportunities where these characters could have connected and could have found happiness, but they kept missing it. Um, my character was the older sister, the older sister, um, to, to one of the characters in the play, and she was very, I mean, she was basically on a, on a soul search for her happiness and trying new things. And I felt very connected to her because this was at the point where I was just coming back from my break. And I understood that. I understood she had a lot of inner anxiety. She had a lot of um, inner passion about, you know, what's next, what's next, and where do I find it? How can I find um, adventure and connection? And she ended up going to all the way to, to Japan to find it. And she connected with this stranger who little did she know was actually the the sister of her mom's caretaker, okay. um, caregiver, and so yeah, it was it was an incredible. A Main Street, they always make you feel like home. I mean, I loved working there. It was, I'd worked with them a while back in White Rose, but it was great to be back there. Yeah, yeah. I actually uh, recently uh, interviewed them, uh, Isaac Polanco and Danny Nieves. And just to see the turn from the material that they were doing as a community theater and to uh, find where that point was where they wanted to dive into more uh, mature material and to become a professional theater, that, you know, causes a lot of strength in reference to the community that they have, not only the town of Miami Lakes, but with the community of people that they have within their roster. So now we come to the point where you're in another long run, excuse me, you're in another long running project that, uh, that is ongoing and you're in a particular uh, genre that is now that seem that seems to be uh, a wave, which is immersive theater. It's the Amparo experience. So, how did you get involved in that? Oh yeah, the, uh, the Amparo experience. It has been. I mean, it has been the final awakening in this. Uh, you know, after my break, that I needed to know that I'm doing exactly what I what I'm meant to be doing. Uh, I I actually, so it started off, um, I wasn't part of the original 20-minute um, pilot that was started a year ago. This was uh, when they were getting ready to, to launch it to the public um, in Miami. They they, they wrote more to the, the original. It used to be 20 minutes, now it's an hour and a half. So uh, they had wrote in new characters and they were looking to cast it. I got a I was invited to come audition by Vanessa Garcia. I went in and I auditioned, and I was, and I got the part, and it's, you know, it's been great ever since. So Vanessa wrote the Umpardo experience. Yes, she wrote the Umpardo experience, and there was a very new character. Um, it was like one of the last characters to be written called Carmelina, and um, they had been auditioning people. And I, um, I had missed the audition notice, and she knew I was interested in auditioning, but um, they had extended the audition dates, and, you know, she called me up, let me know that they were still having auditions, and I, I, you know, I drove over there that night, 
that afternoon and I auditioned and I'm so happy to say that I, I got it. And what is it about? The Ambato Experience is about a family that loses everything and has to rebuild. Um, it's the story of, you know, of an immigrant family, a refugee family, uh, the Arechavala. It's based off the real fa- the real story of the Arechavala family. And it's something that everybody, I think, will be able to connect with anybody who's had to lose home and restart. Okay. So when people go to see this, they get to choose which area that they go to and listen to the stories of those characters. It's not one of those linear plays where you have actors uh, dialogue with each other, or is it? Like, take me through um, something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really unique what they've created, and I think that it leads to the success. But when people go to buy a ticket, you can choose five different routes. Um, all of them are good, and in all of them, you're going to get the general storyline. Uh, without giving too much weight, I'll just the what happens is you come into uh, the Amparo House, as we lovingly call it. Uh, Villa 221, and depending on the character that you bought, and they have a very short synopsis on each of the hosts you can buy. You can, it's, it's five of them, so you can choose whichever track you want. When you get there, in the beginning, um, you know, your host for that evening, which, which is the person that you chose, will come find you, and they will lead you on this journey from beginning to end. Um, so there's moments where you are with your host, hearing their perspective, on the story and what's happening and seeing what they're going through. And then um, there are moments where everybody, all the, all the hosts and all the audience come together. Um, and that's where you, you get the, the main thread of the story when everyone's together. But you'll, you'll get it from, your experience will be um, personal in the way that it depends on which host you chose, what perspective you're getting. Hmm. Now, by the time this installment comes out, hopefully you'll still keep running. But um, have you, it seems that you've got, when did, when did this exactly start? And I know it's currently going on. So has it been like two, three months now? Yes, we opened in April. Um, and it was really supposed to go for, for two months. And then we extended up April, May. But it did so well, and we were not prepared for that. And I should say, in that in that time period, um, so that April May, when we decided to extend for June, um, one of our actresses, who played one of the hosts, was no longer able to because she had projects that were um, happening in LA and New York, so she had to leave. And so I took on, I started at Carmelina, but now I, I um, took on the character of Celia, which is one of the hosts. Um, and so during that June time, the majority of actors were able to, to stay on. Um, and we were so, all of us were, I mean, we were overjoyed. We were overjoyed because we all love this project so much and we care so much about the story um, that, you know, when they told us we were going to spend until June, we were just, oh, we were, you know, we were celebrating every day. 
And then we couldn't believe it, but then it sold out. And so we extended to July. And then that um, sold out. And and it was almost like we didn't we didn't know. So we were all just like we were so overjoyed and we, we, we loved our product but we, the fact that Miami and South Florida embraced it like it did meant so much to us. And so now here we are extending up until September. Um, and no word yet, you know, we don't know yet if we'll extend or not. We're kind of in the dark, like, uh, you know, the rest of the audience. Uh, but but it's been, a, it's been a whirlwind, and it's been amazing to be part of something that means so much to so many people. Now, would you consider that this is the new thing going forward where it just seems that we as humans now have such a short attention span that we need this type of live performance where the actors are not really acting but trying to connect with their audience. So they're breaking a fourth wall, you might say. I think it's, it's we're going to see it more often, um, but I don't think at this point it's replacing um, – traditional theater. I, I think it is exciting. Uh, we're in people's faces. We're talking to people. Um, it's also, it's also uh, maybe not as, um, it's also maybe harder than what people might might think um, to really do it in a way that we can still be, a, you know, keep the story going and still be able to uh, to talk to the audience and be that up close and personal. So I think um, I think it's an art form that has to be studied more and experimented with more. I mean, I feel like our director, she just she just nailed it. She just really understood how to tell um, this story in, in the most interactive way possible. But I do think we'll see it more often. I mean, I, I definitely think it's exciting. And I think people have reacted positively to it. So I, I think we'll be seeing more of it. Um, and maybe it'll shape more traditional theater, too. Maybe we'll see people breaking the fourth wall more and more. But, but I still think there's, there's a room for it all in theater. Mm-hmm. Now... We're going to take a step back because that's what we do. We bounce between, we bounce along the timeline. But from what I remember, and like I said before, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but when you were with the Playground Theater, you had an opportunity to become a member of Actors' Equity. Do you still hold that status? Um, um, no, and it's, it's, I... When I was producing my own work, I, I didn't. Um, it got to a point where it didn't make sense to produce my own work and be an actor's equity. And is it a decision I regret? <laughs> a little bit. I, I kind of regret making that phone call and saying I no longer. Um, I wanted to renounce my my membership. I still, like, to be honest, that's a to be determined. I still don't know how I feel about that. Um, Sometimes it's like, you know, I don't know if I would have gotten something like Jump Battle or, you know, Main Street had I been part of Actors' Equity. Um, so so it's a decision I, I question a lot. Um, but I, I, do, I am no longer part of Actors' Equity. Okay. Well, it's, it's kind of like a, a blessing and a curse in the sense that 
here we are in a right to work state. However, you have to, it seems like you, you have to be in a position in order to find the work, the right work in reference to being a union member and be able to travel because there's not a lot of union houses that are here. However, being non-equity, you can, you can work more, but you're not um, allowed the same or set up the same allowances as opposed to being a union member. So it's like a catch-22, you might say. Okay. So, jumping forward, you're currently a high school teacher of theater. So, you yes. have the best of both worlds. So, what is your curriculum? Um, so, I teach various acting classes. I teach um, acting one until my advanced acting. And then I have a comprehensive theater class, which is my most advanced class of and they also tend to be the class that goes to competition. And I also teach a technical theater class. Um, so it's really a little bit of everything. So did you have to create this curriculum on your own, or is this something that was already set in place before you got there? It was set in place before I got here um, by two amazing local theater people as well, um, Ozzy. Quintana and Ray Bodie, uh, they've been wonderful, you know, they've always been there for me when, you know, because when you're a new teacher, there's definitely a lot of questions, and they're always there for me, um, but so I, I took it from there, but then, of course, you know, you start to, you, you take what, what has been taught, and then you start to customize it towards what, you know, your own personal preferences, what I want to focus on, what do I want the kids to leave with. These are not, the majority of them are, it's not a magnet program, it's a public school, it's an elective, um, but I do have a lot of kids that really dedicate themselves to theater, and, and that's their world, their high school world is their, is the theater department. So I try to keep those kids in mind, um, and, you know, it's always trying to give them something new, but for me, skill will be learned as you do the pro projects, as you do your classes, but what's more important to me in a class that's an elective um, is that these kids learn to connect. So my main goal with everything I do is that they are connecting with one another, they're looking at each other's eyes, they're talking about things, they're putting their phones away, and just connecting with another human being. Mm -hmm. Because if you've got that, and you can be empathetic towards another human being and connect, then everything else in theater is skill, and you'll get it. You'll get it as you keep working at it. But you need to have that basis. You need to care, in, in my opinion. You need to care. Um, that's what theater is about, really. It's about people and revealing humanity, and that's what I want the kids to understand um, while, while they're in my class. Now, also, uh, do you, are you required to direct uh, one play or one musical a season? 
Uh, do you have your own space at the high school? We're really lucky. Um, my high school, uh, my principal, Mary Sims, she's very supportive of the theater department. And I do have a black box space, a small uh, black box theater space. And we do have access to the auditorium. It's not, it's not mine per se, but I have a lot of freedom with it. I have a lot of access to it. I'm not required, but it's what, you know, it's what's always been done. So I jumped into it my first year. We did a play and a musical. Um, and it's, it's a lot for one teacher, <laughs> which I'm sure, you know, all teachers across the, the board would agree. Um, so now that I'm back into acting and, and teaching, I do have to, I have to be creative with how I'm going to make my boundaries as a teacher because any teacher will tell you, you just want to give all your time. All of it. You want to give every single moment you have um, towards teaching, and so it'll be interesting moving forward to create my own boundaries as a teacher, so that I can still grow as an, as an actress as well. Okay, so this is a nice button in order to kind of close things out. So, from the time when you did your profession, your first professional credit, to up till now. Have you been watching the change in Miami theater? And what has changed? Um, so that's part of, of me coming back into Miami theater. I, I need to get back into going and visiting and watching um, and seeing what's out there. I, I've been away. When I've been away, I've really been away um, during that break. And what I can say from the people I'm working with now, of who most, a lot of them are very involved, is that it's very promising. There's exciting stuff happening. There's exciting plays happening. The talent is huge. It seems like people are staying in Miami more often, um, and, you know, they'll think twice before leaving. Um, I don't feel like we have this mass exodus, but there's some really great artists that are staying here and committing to continue to cultivate Miami arts, and I think that's exciting. I think that's really beautiful. We have uh, a great play, like, I feel like playwrights and um, have a, a little support system on their own down here, um, actors, directors. Like, I, I'm just really excited. Like, be, coming back to it, um, I'm very positive and very optimistic, and I, I can't wait to see what Miami continues to do. Because I think we're going to do great things. I think Miami is really going to do great things when it comes to theater and community. As far as your students go, how are you incurring, encouraging them and inspiring them to go out and see plays? And are they getting any credit for seeing these plays? Yes. They all get, um, if they're interested in being part of our International Thespian Society, they get points um, for going to see local local plays and um, I mean I'm exposing them to it by letting them know what's going on and they they also get extra credit if they write you know a brief little summary on what they want to go see so I'm definitely putting it in their brains that I want them to go see and enjoy um, so yeah hopefully we'll be cultivating the next group of audiences as well well, thank you very much, Melissa, for taking the time out to speak with me. I'm glad to know that your passion is still burning inside of you, 
that you couldn't stay away too, too long and that you are, you know, going back out there and pursuing your craft. And once again, just riding that perfect storm of being in theater as well as working in the theater. You're teaching theater. You're in inspiring young minds in order to become theater professionals as well as you know, going back into the professional realm yourself. So I admire that. And with everything you do, I wish you much success in, you know, creating your hub as well as creating, um, once again, a, a space for talent to grow and to at least stay here a while before they go on to the next level. Thank you for inviting me to chat with you. And as always, thank you for all of your support. I really appreciate it. Of course. One last thing. If people want to learn more about the Amparo experience, where can they go? Go to the website www.theamparoexperience.com and um, follow Abre Camino Collective on Instagram. Great. Great. Well, I will let you go. And once again, thank you very much for, um, for once again speaking with me. I'm glad to know that uh, you are out there and uh, just uh, keep on doing what you do. Thanks, Kevin. So that was the Kevin Johnson program. We'd like to thank you so much for listening. You can find us once again on anchor.fm forward slash Kev John Pro. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, also under Kev John Pro. As we explore and spotlight the creatives in arts and culture in South Florida. And as always, don't forget to support your local community. Take care.